Welcome to Rockbrook Church Podcast. Today's message is part of a series called Building Your Life on Values That Last. We know that God designed values for us to live by and to give us meaning and purpose in this life. We would love to hear from you and how God is using this message to give you a new perspective and hope. Email your story to church at rockbrook.org. If I were to ask you, what is your greatest ability, what would you say? What is your greatest ability? I just texted some friends and family out of the blue uh, this week, no context, and just said, hey, what is your, what would you say is your greatest ability? Here are the things I got back, a resourcefulness, greatest ability, listening, productivity, I'm not sure yet, making friends, the ability to stay calm in stressful situations, thankfulness even in bad situations, organizing and scheduling things, I make a mean peanut butter and jelly, (laughs) spending money, the strategic ability to see a bigger picture than most and then order effects of decisions that may lead to future benefits or consequences of those choices. Who is this? That's my favorite. Just text some friends and family. Yeah, all right. All those are great. And at Rockbrook, uh, we really care about your abilities because we believe that when God created you, he created you uniquely, one of a kind, and he gave you some talents and abilities and gifts and invested some things in you. In fact, uh, we believe that to the point where that's a part of our whole process here at step three of the growth track today. You can come and And uh, we help uh, just kind of give you a framework of how to think about uh, the gifts and the abilities in your life and how God has shaped you. And you can join us today for that. But I want to suggest to you in our time together today that your greatest ability is responsibility. Responsibility. Responsibility is the ability to respond to life. And it is one of the greatest gifts that God has given you. It's one of the greatest things God has blessed you with. You can respond in all different ways to stress, problems, crises, opportunities, relationships. When God created you, he gave you the ability to choose your response to life. It's all your choice. Now, you and I know that we don't get to choose a lot of things about our life. You didn't get to choose when you were born, where you were born, your family. You don't get to control or choose a lot of the events and circumstances that happen in your life, but you do have the freedom to choose how you react to life. You have the freedom to choose how to respond, and because you have that choice, because you have the, the freedom, because you have the ability to respond to life, you are response able. You are able to respond. Today we're beginning a 10-week series on 10 values to build into your life as pillars of your life. If you want to live a successful, significant, God-honoring life. And we've got to start with this one, accepting personal responsibility. This is the foundation of the foundation. If you don't get this one, uh, you can't build any of the other values into your life. If you don't personally accept responsibility for your choices, your character, your values, how are you going to choose the remaining 
values. So that's why we're starting with this one uh, today, and we're starting this church-wide in your small groups. uh, You'll meet this week in your personal study guide. You'll study responsibility. If this is the first week that your small group is meeting, uh, skip the intro week and go straight to value number one. Uh, We're all going to be on studying and on responsibility this week, value number one. The problem is, naturally, nobody wants to accept responsibility. Naturally, I don't. Naturally, you don't. What's in our nature? What would we rather naturally do? Naturally, we want to accuse and excuse. We want to accuse other people. It's all their fault, and we want to excuse us. It's not my fault. Naturally, we don't want to own up to anything. We want to accuse and excuse. What causes that? Well, last week we talked about um, our beliefs and how our beliefs determine our behavior, and that determines who we become. So don't let anyone tell you it doesn't matter what you believe. It does matter what you believe because that will determine who you become in life. And we talked about negative philosophies that have influenced our value system, that have creeped in. Now let's talk about three very Uh, prevalent values in our value system today, three beliefs that are the antithesis of personal responsibility. If you're taking notes, write this in. The first one is the rights mentality, the rights mentality. And the rights mentality basically goes like this. I have my rights and that's all I'm interested in. And I demand my rights. And today we hear so much about rights. We are all about personal rights. We have criminal rights, computer rights, animal rights, children's rights, victims' rights, abortion rights, housing rights, privacy rights. I could go on and on and on. Why is it that you hear so much about rights, but you don't hear near as much about responsibilities? You hear people demanding their rights, but you don't hear them accepting responsibility. It's because our society was founded with a bill of rights and a bill of responsibilities. But over the last few decades, we have systematically removed the bill of responsibilities from public life, from our education, from opinion, from truth. So all we're left is with the bill of rights because we've taken away the Ten Commandments. We've taken away scripture and we've taken away responsibility to all we're left with is people demanding their rights. I have my rights and I demand my rights. The second, the second mentality um, is the victim mentality. The victim mentality. The victim mentality basically goes like this. None of my problems are my fault. It's not my fault. In fact, it's all your fault. And every time we blame somebody else for the unhappiness in our life, we're forgetting that God has given us the ability of responsibility. Then thirdly comes uh, the, the third foe of personal responsibility, and that's the entitlement mentality, which basically just says, I deserve it. You owe it to me. You owe me the things I want. You owe me a living. You owe me these things in life. And in stark contrast uh, to all of these mentalities and to all of this stands God's word in Ephesians 5, where it says, live life then with a due sense of responsibility. Not as men who do not know the meaning and purpose of life, but as those who do. Don't miss this today. What this is saying is if you live your life with a sense of responsibility, 
It's because you know the meaning and the purpose of life. The point of this verse is this. If you live your life in a responsible way, you know the meaning. On the other hand, if you live an irresponsible life, it just means one thing. You don't know or you have forgotten the meaning and the purpose of life. You don't know why God puts you on this planet in the first place. So this week we'll look at the value of responsibility. And the first thing we've got to deal with are these motives of why should I live a responsible life? What's the motive? Because if we're not motivated in some way to live a responsible life, we'll just fall back to our natural tendencies of accusing and excusing. We'll fall back to these other mentalities. But there are three great reasons God gives us to live a responsible life. Three great motives. So why should I live with responsibility? Number one is because God is watching me. God is watching me. God sees it all. And God is going to judge us one day on how we lived our lives. Life is a test of responsibility. That's why you're going through all the stuff that you're going through. God planned you, thought you up, put you on this planet, and he's testing your responsibility. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he's watching. Nothing in all the world can be hidden from God. Everything is clear and lies open before him. And to him, we must explain the way we have lived. We have to do it. Our spouse can't do it for us. Our parents can't do it for us. Your pastor can't do it for you. You've got to explain the way that you lived. And when you die, that's the end of your body. That's not the end of you. And you're going to live on an eternity in one of two places. And what, heaven or hell. And what you decide about your sin and how you choose to view God And what you believe about Jesus Christ is going to influence your eternity. And you're going to spend far more on that side of eternity than this side. God put you on this earth. Here's the purpose. You ready for the meaning and the purpose? It doesn't have anything to do with your job. It doesn't have anything to do with what sport you choose to play. It doesn't have anything to do with so much of the the activity that you choose to participate in or how you make a living or anything like that. Here's the purpose. God puts you on this earth to get to know him personally through his son, Jesus Christ, and to become more like him in his character, to become Christ-like, to believe in Christ and to become like him, to develop the values and the responsibility behind all that. And if you don't take responsibility, you can't build in the values that are going to help you become like Christ. Now, why is God so interested in our character? God could not care less about your achievements. He could not care less about what's in your bank account. He could not, he could not care less in what way, really, you decide to make a living. He cares about your character. Why? Because that's the only thing you're going to take with you. And it's the only thing that's transferable to every other situation in life. And you're not taking anything else. You did not come in with anything. I was there at the birth of both of my boys. And neither one of them came out driving a truck, towing a boat, anything else. Came out naked. We die the same way. We leave this world with nothing but our character, nothing but the values we decided in our life, nothing but what we choose to believe. And when you die, you're going to leave it all behind. And everything you have here, all your material possessions, you don't really own them. 
They're just on loan to you. They go to somebody else after you die. You just steward them for a little while. And what God is evaluating is your character, not your stuff. Do you have the character, the humility, the wisdom to believe in Jesus Christ, to get to know him personally and become like Christ, to become more like him? Romans 14, 12 says each of us will give a personal account to God. To God. You won't give it to me. You don't give it to someone else. You give it to God. It says God knows everything. Nothing is hidden. That means he's seen everything we've ever done. And what's interesting about that is because normally, normally, how do we rationalize irresponsibility? We say, nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever know. So I can throw this trash down. I can steal this stuff. I can watch this. I can look at this. I can listen to this. I can do this. Nobody will ever know. But God knows. And he's the only one that really matters. And you may be able to fool everybody else in this room. You may be able to fool your parents. You may be able to fool uh, the different people in your family. You may be able to fool your boss. But who you're living the responsible life for is God, and he is not fooled. He sees it all. And that's the first reason, that this is the first motive to live a responsible life, is because God is testing it. God is watching. The second reason we live a responsible life is because others are affected by my life. None of us live to ourselves alone. We are all interdependent. We're not independent. We're not dependent. We're interdependent. I'll say that again. We're not independent. We're not dependent. We're interdependent. We're interdependent on each other. 1 Corinthians 10.24 says people should be concerned about others and not just about themselves. And we like to say, well, if it doesn't hurt you, just live any way you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. And if it doesn't hurt you or you don't know about it, who cares? It's my life. What does it matter? It doesn't affect you. The problem is you're wrong. It does affect other people. Every decision you make affects somebody else, even the secret ones. Because it influences you and you influence other people by your life. And there may not be immediate uh, visible results, visible changes, but you, every choice you make influences somebody else. And when you're irresponsible, it hurts other people. When somebody in your family has a problem, it's not their problem, it's the family's problem, isn't it? Whether the kid's on drugs or the dad's under stress, it affects the whole family. And there's no such thing as a non-affecting decision. All the time, we are influencing people with our life. We influence our family, our parents, kids, brothers, sisters, moms, dads, husbands, wives. The choices we make influence our friends, they influence the people in our neighborhood. They influence the people in this church. They influence society in major and minor ways because we're all on this planet together. If I were to ask three of you uh, to go out on the lake with me today, don't worry, we won't miss the Chiefs game, uh, but we'll go out on the lake for a little bit and we're going to relax. Uh, we're just going to go out to the middle of the lake and get a tan <laughs> and uh, we'll listen to some music. So we're going, what's your favorite lake? What lake are we going to today? That's, yeah, you guys are all here at church, so you don't have a favorite lake because you go to church on the weekends, so whatever. I think I heard some things, but I missed them. But we're going to go out to Longview Lake because we've got to make it back for the Chiefs game. And we're just going out to the middle, and we're floating there. And uh, there's four of us, and we all kind of take a corner of the boat. 
And we're relaxing, and about 20 minutes in, you hear me fire up a drill with a hole saw, and I'm drilling holes into the bottom of my boat. And you say, uh, Rylan, what are you doing? I'm just drilling holes in, in my boat. Why are you drilling holes in your boat? Hey, don't get on me. You've got your side of the boat. You've got your section of the boat. You want to drill. That's, it's, this is my life. This is my section. You want to drill holes? Fine. Don't want to drill holes? Fine. Your choice. This is my choice. This is my life. It doesn't affect you. You would say, no, it does affect me because if your side of the boat goes down, the whole boat's going down. Every choice we make affects somebody else. That's why it's totally irresponsible to say, I can live my life and any lifestyle I want. It shouldn't matter to you. It does matter to you because it affects you. It affects you and it affects the other people around you. The Bible teaches that we affect other people by our lives. But when we're irresponsible, the two most common excuses or rationale that we give is nobody will ever know. We talked about that. But we also say, well, it won't hurt anybody. Wrong. A man can say, I can get away with this, my wife will never know. I can do this and it won't hurt my wife. Kids can say, I can do this, it won't hurt my parents. If they don't know about it, it won't hurt them. We're wrong. We're wrong. It will affect them. And it's unloving to think that it won't. I was listening to two guys on the radio this week and they're talking about love. They were talking about how do you define love. And the conclusion they came to is that there's really no concrete definition of love. And so each of us just have to choose a definition of love for ourselves and live by that code and live by how we choose to love. And I'm listening to this and thinking, no, there is a definition for love. God is love and he defined it. He defined what love is. In fact, he put a whole chapter in the Bible called the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And in verse 5, it says, love does not insist on its own way. Love doesn't define its own version of love. Love is not self-seeking, another translation says. Love cares more for others than for self. And it's unloving to think my decisions won't affect somebody else. There's a third reason, third motive for responsibility and living a responsible way. And that it's a huge positive, and it's that God rewards it. Oh my goodness, God rewards it. The Bible says that in eternity, we will be rewarded according to our relationship to Christ on earth and our responsibility. And once you've settled the issue that I know God through Jesus Christ, and I'm a Christ follower, the next issue is that God wants to know is what did you do with what I gave you? Because God has made an investment in you when he created you. He gave you talents. He gave you abilities. He let you live in this particular time in history. He's given you certain opportunities. All these things he's given you. He's invested in you. And guess what? God is expecting a return on his investment. God says, you will not believe the blessing I will pour out on your life in this life and the next if you will live responsibly with your time, with your money, with your relationships, every area of your life. He says, I'll bless you in ways you can't even imagine, ways that you haven't even thought about. One of the ways that he blesses us is by giving us more responsibility. Luke chapter 16, 
It says, if you are faithful in little things, Jesus speaking here, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you use your influence well, God will give you more influence. If you use your possessions well, God will provide more of them. God, God is under no obligation. It, why should God give you more money if you won't be responsible with the money you've been given now? He's in, no, no, under, under no obligation to provide more of that to an irresponsible person. He doesn't have any obligation to help you if you don't use wisely what he's already given you. But on the other hand, if you are responsible, God will bless your socks off in ways you can't imagine. Luke 19, 26. And I'd love for everyone in our church to read this whole chapter uh, this week. Luke 19, in verse 26, Jesus says, this is our, our memory verse for this week. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. Let's read that out loud together. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. Well, good grief, if that's the case, how do I do it? How do I become more responsible? At any time you want to talk about responsibility, there's a certain book of the Bible you've got to go to. The, uh, the Bible's made up of 66 different books. And one of the books inside is called the book of Proverbs. And there's an entire, it's an entire book written about how to live a responsible life. It has 31 chapters in it, I mean, if, so if you were to read a chapter a day, you'd read the whole thing in a month. And this is a book that teaches you how to live, teaches you how to have, uh, build strong relationships, how to handle wealth, how to build a business, how to get along with other people, how to save your marriage. It talks about child raising, talks about what to do when you fail, what to do when you succeed. It's an amazing storehouse of God's wisdom. And you've got to go to Proverbs uh, to talk about responsibility. Uh, because God has a word for responsible people in the book of Proverbs. He calls them wise. The irresponsible person, he has a word for them. He calls them a fool. And the same guy who wrote the book of Proverbs wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. The next book, fool, is the word fool is used 23 times in there. It's used 69 times in the book of Proverbs. Now, when we use the word fool... Uh, we normally mean someone who's uneducated or not very smart or, you know, has a low IQ. And Solomon, who wrote the book of Proverbs, says, no, 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 it's nothing to do with that. You can be totally uneducated, be not very smart, and still be very, very wise. And on the other hand, you could be very, very smart but still be a fool because it all has to do with how responsible you are. But if you are irresponsible... In light of the meaning of life, why he puts you on this life, and on this earth, you're foolish. So 69 times he says, here's what the fool does, and then he inverts it, says, here's what the wise person does. So here's what the irresponsible person does, here's what the responsible person does. And we don't have time to go into all 69 of those today, uh, but let me give you four to get started. I'm going to give you three today, and we're going to pick up the fourth in our small groups this week. So the fourth will be in the study guide and in the small groups. But here's three reasons, three ways to get started on being a more responsible person so God can give you more of what you've been given. The first one is by controlling my reactions. Now, earlier we said you cannot control uh, the events and the circumstances of your life, the things that happen to you. 
And maturity is when you really stop trying to do that. Because if you try to control all the circumstances and all the events that happen to you, you become controlling and you become very manipulative. But maturity is when you stop trying to control the events and you start trying to choose how you're going to control your response. God says if you want to be responsible, maturity and responsibility are evident in your life when you can handle the pressures, the stresses, the problems, the pains without losing it, without becoming stressed out, without becoming angry, without blowing up, without shrinking into self-pity. The key to responsibility is learning to control your reactions, your emotions. In Proverbs it says, a fool, the fool expresses all his emotions. Do you know someone who expresses all their emotions? That they just say everything they think. They walk in the door to work and you know immediately whether it's a good day or a bad day because they express all their emotions. But the responsible person, a wise person, learns to control them. One of the ways you show responsibility it's not expressing all this, not trying to get even with other people who hurt you. We're going to look at this next verse several times in this campaign. Romans 12, 21 says, don't let evil get the best of you, but conquer evil by doing good. Meaning when someone cuts you off, someone rips you off, someone maligns you, slanders you, steals from you, abuses you, hurts you. When you try to get even with that person, you have just lowered yourself to their standard. When you try to get even with that person, you have just let them decide your values for you because you're not living off of your value system at that point. You're living off of theirs. But no, you choose your values. Don't try to get even with them. A person who tries to get even is no better than the person who did the wrong in the first place. You're even in every sense of the word. But when you move on, when you forgive that person, when you say, God, I'm going to let you settle the score. It puts you in a superior moral position and you let God settle the score. He's got better resources to do it than you do. And you got to realize that people will reap what they sow. You don't need to get even with them. You return good for evil. That's responsible. It's controlling your reactions. We're going to talk much more about this uh, in this series. The next way to build responsibility is by guarding our mind. God has given you your mind. And our mind controls everything else. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. They, our mind influences our thoughts and our feelings and our actions. It all starts in the mind. Let me relieve you of a little false guilt this morning. Everybody look up here for a moment. You are not responsible for every stray thought that enters into your mind. Can I get a better amen, somebody? Because it's amazing what crosses my mind sometimes. It's scary sometimes what crosses my mind while I'm preaching. And to know that I'm not responsible for every stray thought that enters into my mind is quite freeing. Okay? Those, all, those stray thoughts come from all different kinds of things. Conversations you overhear by accident. Things that you see by accident. The devil can plant things into your mind. It's called temptation. God can plant things into your mind. It's called inspiration. And when God gives you a thought, it's inspiring. It's inspiration. But both God and the devil, good and evil, are trying to influence you and your mind all the time. Now, 
I don't know about you, but knowing that the world, the flesh, and the devil are trying to influence my mind all the time makes me want to shut off some streams of things that may plant more evil thoughts in my mind. I love the way Martin Luther said this, the great theologian. He said, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. And what you're responsible for are the thoughts you choose to hold on to and go over and over in your mind, like jealousy, resentment, pride. You're not responsible for all the stray thoughts, but you're responsible for what you choose to hold on to and what you choose to let in on purpose through your eye gate and your ear gate. And God is holding you accountable for what you let into your mind. And quite frankly, this is an area that many of you who have been Christians for 10, 20, 30 years are still acting very irresponsibly in. It amazes me what some people, Christians, just purposely let into their mind, let into their kids' minds. I know a lot of people who they are, they're true believers in Christ, but they're watching trashy TV and listening and reading to trashy stuff, and they're paying good money for trash to destroy their mind. And I've heard people say, well, when I go to see those kinds of things, it doesn't affect me. When I listen to that kind of stuff, it doesn't affect me. Who are you kidding? Do you think you're kidding God? It does affect you. Whatever you put into your mind is inevitably going to come out in your behavior, in your beliefs. It weakens you. It weakens your value system. And it lowers you because you come accustomed to it. And if you say, I can watch that, it doesn't bother me. I can listen to that, it doesn't bother me. Dear brother in Christ, dear sister in Christ, that's exactly the problem. It doesn't bother you. And you, it's a warning light that you've already crossed the threshold. And some of you, man, are just saying, well, I'm just trying to be open-minded. And many people need to close their mind for repairs for a little while. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need to look, just, we need to clean some of that out. There's, there's one of three things you can fill your mind with. You can fill your mind with truth. And, and I'm not trying to harp on you because obviously you want to do that. You're here today. It's hard to get to church. You made it. Got the kids here the whole bit. Good job. But this church, worshiping God, fills your mind with truth. This study guide will fill your mind with truth. God's word fills your mind with truth. Going to small group fills your mind with truth. Another thing that you can fill your mind with, fill your mind with is poison. And that's things like gossip, criticism, pornography. And honestly, this list is a lot longer than we give it credit for. A third thing you can fill your mind with is what we'll just call stuffing. It's stuff that's neither good nor bad. It's neutral. It's just stuff. But you get too much stuffing and you get too much of this and you don't desire this. You don't desire the truth. And you might say, well, I just never have any desire to read the Bible. And that makes complete sense because you filled your mind with so much other stuff that you don't desire and hunger for this. I've had many seasons in my life where there's just no desire to read scripture because I was filling my mind with other things. And when you fill your mind with other things, you don't hunger for God's word. It's like, guys, I just love Jose Peppers. It's, uh, when, whenever my wife is pregnant, I pray she'll crave Jose Peppers so we can go there more often. And I love the shrimp tacos. Oh my goodness, the shrimp tacos. 
But what happens is I go there, I order the shrimp tacos, and then I just start loading up on chips and salsa. And by the time the shrimp tacos go, I come, I'm just not really that hungry for the thing I was craving and I wanted in the first place. You don't hunger for the real meal because you filled up on other things. And I've got stuff in my life that it, it's not bad, it's just stuffing. And I got to keep it in check. I could tell you so many stats about today's uh, Chiefs Raiders game that you could not care less about. And it's just an area that I've got to just, I got to put in check and say, I'm going to watch the game, it's fine. Fine, but I, I, could, I could load up on that to where I don't hunger for this. And we got to stay hungry for this. Proverbs 15, 14 says, A wise person is hungry for knowledge, the truth, while the fool feeds on trash. Your character comes from what you think about. Are you vigilant? And what you watch or listen to is your mind an open freeway. That's one area we may need to work on. The next, third way that we build responsibility is by admitting my mistakes. And we try to accuse and excuse. Whenever we blow it, we say, it's not my fault, it's all your fault. A victim of circumstances. Proverbs 28, 13. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But watch this, this is beautiful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. And you know what? That verse is true. No matter how many times you need it. That verse is true no matter how many times you've read it. And God says, if you'll come to me, I'm dying to give you another chance. There are many areas of my life I'm irresponsible in. There are many areas of your life that you're irresponsible in. We all need it. We're not exempt from this. Ecclesiastes says it's for everybody. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. And one of the problems is we don't like to use this word anymore. And, and we, you turn on the news and you see the evil acts or the wrong thing that someone has done and they are inventing words to not have to use the word sin. They don't want to call it sin but until you call it sin and confess it and forsake it, you don't get the hope and the healing and the power from God. And God wants us to go around with a sense of promise and hope to overcome it. That he can bring even good things out of the stupid decisions that I've made in my life, that you've made in your life, if we'll give it to him. It's one of the greatest truths of God's word. But sometimes we feel so guilty and ashamed of stupid decisions we've made, irresponsible actions that we carry this guilt and shame and it starts this cycle of, I blew it, and so I'm a bad person, and because I'm a bad person, I blow it. And we are in this cycle, and God wants to step in and break the cycle and give you a power to live on greater than yourself, to give you a Savior who overcame those things for you. Because you can't get it all right. You can't live a life without sin, but someone did. Jesus Christ. And we need to lean on someone and trust in someone who came after this verse was written and lived a perfect life who was always good and never sinned. One person, his name is Jesus Christ. Romans 3.23 says, all fall short of God's glorious ideal. Well, duh, I don't, I don't live up to my own standards, let alone God's. Yet now God declares us not guilty if we trust in Jesus Christ 
who in his kindness freely takes away our sins. And if we'll call them what they are and accept responsibility, he can take them away and freely give us new life in his name. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your promises. Church, I'm just going to pray a prayer here. And if you want to pray it along with me in your heart and mind, say, me too, God. Father, it can be so easy for me to focus on how others have wronged me rather than taking responsibility. My pride and ego get in the way of me being humble and accountable. Thank you, God, that you can bring good out of even the worst situations, even even those I've caused myself. Please let me see where I've been wrong, prideful, foolish, and how to accept responsibility for all my actions and attitudes. God, fill my heart with humility. Fill my life with your grace, Lord. I believe Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And he lived a perfect life. He was a perfect sacrifice. And he rose from the dead, conquering death. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.